She told, check it out, this is what she said. She said, oh, 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 she said she wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, a little Anita, but definitely set this party on Welcome back. You were listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's podcast. Mikey Smith is back in the studio, and the people always love that, and I love it too, mate. It feels like <laughs> I haven't seen you for about three weeks. Feels like it's been ages, eh? But Mikey's yeah. back, baby. He's back. <laughs> and before we rip into this week's podcast, we'd like to tell you that we are at 586 five-star, well, 4.9-star uh, reviews. So if you could take five seconds to leave a review if you haven't, that would be amazing. But I know that clearly a number of you have. So, this podcast, mate, is going to be about slowing down to speed up, hence the old slow jams tune there from Twister, Kanye, and Jamie Foxx. <laughs> so I actually don't know if I've heard that tune. Really? Yeah, I don't think I have. Did you I not didn't... grow up in Danny Boot? <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, slowing down to speed up, eh? Because i've had a few conversations with people about this, and one of the um one of the company values at Guardian Smith is speed and because I've always found like in the mortgage game um personally like a big point of difference that you can really stand out from the crowd is if you're doing shit fast um like we can't charge for what we do like we just get paid by the from a commission from the bank um so improving value is important, and a big part is speed. Um, and I recognized that sort of early on, so I got into it, but over time I've learned that, um, slowing down can actually help you speed up. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like the little bits and pieces of detail and everything inside a a full package or or process. Um, and this goes for everything. You like, you want to slow those down, get those right, build systems and discipline to make sure it's all run smoothly and doesn't have problems. And that makes the overall process fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think we can talk about how we relate it back to personal finances. Like, we all know that fucking saving 200 or 400 or whatever dollars a week is feels slow as fuck. Um, but then all of a sudden, in a few years, when you've got, you know, 100 Gs sitting there to go and do something with, starts the snowball effect, right? Yeah. And you can start making different choices, and it and it, it does. The snowball actually happens; it comes, but it's hard to believe that it is coming when you're doing all these little slow things. Yeah, you and know? and even on that, you know, I always talk about trying to save forty percent of my income, and then I did that for a period, and I stacked hundred k, and I rebuilt my paradigm of what I thought was I could actually save, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to go back to my." You know, I started going back to my well, it's, you know, you've done that now, just. uh yeah. Happy days, mate. Then I'm like, well, 100K actually isn't anywhere near close to that $10 million property I may want to have or be able to rent. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually got to to keep going. And the, the habit of building or saving 40% is the important thing because why I introduced that to myself was, okay, Luke, you know that you're going to get to a stage where you might be getting paid $10,000 a month. You want to be saving 40% now when you're only getting paid four grand a month so that when you get to the 10%, you're not having lifestyle creep because you've taught yourself Mm. all the way back here a good habit of fucking slow down mate slow down like you don't need to live 
to that five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And this is specifically really important to people because what they do is they go out and borrow money against what they're earning. Mm. So then they go, well, I'm, I'm getting a pay rise or I'm going to get paid. You know, Luke could have gone, I'm going to get paid 10 grand. So I should just go get, I can get that 15 grand credit card again now. I could probably get a 30K one mm. and I could go do some real dumb shit. Yeah. Next thing again, <laughs> I've got that California King bed. <laughs> Not the king size anymore. I've got three lazy boys. I've got a lazy couch. <laughs> Shit. You know? And so instead, I'm trying to slow myself down deliberately because I know that the speed up is actually going and doing dumb shit with money that isn't mine. And then I fall back into the trap of, okay, Luke's got to get himself back out of mm. consumer credit again. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've had this happen a few times in my life where <clears throat> it's almost like you don't know where why you're doing it and you know what's going to come of it um but i had an uh, once upon a time i had a couple of opportunities to buy very rare cars at very good prices but i had been living in the fast lane <laughs> yeah and i didn't i didn't have the cash at the time to do it and i just like watched those opportunities pass by and another time later on i had gone slowed down being like right make a plan budget it out i was sending savings to mum and shit um and then you know i woke up one day and there was a whole lot of savings there and then lo and behold another opportunity to buy this car came up this is a long time ago i bought this car for twenty thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars so i think that was pretty much all i had to my name at the time and I'd already missed these other ones and regretted it. So I went back into the basics and did that. And um, I drove that round for about seven or eight months. And then a guy drove down from up north and paid me 40 grand for it. Wow. So at the time when you're saving, you know, whatever it was, $1,000 a month or something, I can't remember what I was saving, feels so slow and so arduous. Mm. But if I had told my prep myself at the start that there's a hundred percent return on the other side of this in seven months if you do it i bet you most people could fucking do it <laughs> oh that's a good way to look at it because eh? yeah. that's what i used to do when i saved is i would go oh i'm saving a thousand dollars a month and then i go well in 12 months i'm gonna have 12 grand oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my credit card's 15k like that's that seems cooler yeah. you know you're like oh that's kind of actually boring but yeah if you look at it like that of okay yeah but what opportunity could potentially be doubled. Yeah, and you don't that. know that that exists. And and I yeah, and I have these examples because I had A2 milk, I had zero, I had these things that I couldn't pull the trigger on mm. when I was paying back my debt, cleaning up my shit because I couldn't allocate any money over there anymore because I didn't have any savings. I was just clearing debt. Mm. And if I had of not done the dumb things, I would have had excess capital and probably taken some risk mm. and then be in a different position, right? And be like, "Oh, I get that now." It's but, where the um you know, you've got to be lucky saying, I don't really believe in. Um, like, yeah, you need to be lucky to have sort of opportunities come across your desk sort of thing. But if you're not putting yourself in the position to jump on them, mm. you know, Luke's life would look very different if he didn't have a cue card and a lazy boy and put that money into zero shares. <laughs> wow, would it what? <laughs> that would be very different. Yeah, would it what? <laughs> so, um, but... Like when, you, when you're starting out and it's like, man, I've just got to do this automatic payment, you have no idea that that opportunity exists. Mm. You know, when you start that savings plan, you didn't know Zero was even a company. No. But then it's like, okay, boys, we're about to, you know, 
go public, does anyone want in? And it's yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. You Imagine know. if when I was at Harvey Norman swiping on that Lazy Boy, if they said to me, <laughs> just a heads up, mate, you can have this and you can pay it off over the next three years, interest free. But just to let you know that all of those payments, if you allocated them to this pot where you're going to get nothing back for these next three years, but in three years' time, that same money is going to be worth ten times that. Are you yeah. sure you want the lazy boy? Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, put it in the back, mate. Are you still delivering it? What, what, what's all this about? I was too dumb back then. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't a student, but yeah. Yeah, and, and we just don't know those things are coming. So it's really hard to make the decision when you've got nothing. at the, It looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but they mm. pop up, right? Um, and, you know, like a really basic one that I think about after being around car guys and stuff, and I know a few panel beaters and things, it's really clear that like the basic foundation is really important. And going back to the panel beater, you can send in your car with a big dent in the door and a scratch and everything, and they can spend an hour fixing the dent in the door, sanding it back, and then rub and flick some paint on it. But you'll always see a mark and stuff in certain light and it's not done properly and it's because it was done too fast with not enough attention to detail on the very basic repair at the start it's like the pre- the preparation is the key mm. and that allows it to have a perfect finish at the end the the paint that goes on it and makes it looks not look nice is the part that changes your eye and goes oh wow the big transformations happen but it's actually closer to the easier part you know that's it comes almost easily, um, just like when an opportunity comes up for me to buy a car and double my money. Um, that was almost easy, but because I'd put like a two-year savings plan in place, which was really hard, which is p- putting the time and the detail and preparation into fixing the dent, you know? Yeah, and uh, you've you've done all the education to learn that that's even a possibility, right? Like, I wouldn't even know where to start to try and double my money on a car, so I wouldn't even try. I'd be like, <laughs> fuck that, that's not my jam. It's 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 not a thing for everyone, but everyone is in a field where if you stay alert enough, you'll see something at some point. Mm. Like opportunities always... I see opportunities all the time for me, and I say no to them because it's not my special thing. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not good enough at it to be like, you know, I, I should jump in this and, and do it. Like I'm pretty focused really on what I take a punt on. There's only a few things that I'll actually buy yeah. in terms of if an opportunity comes up. And everyone will have different versions of those. Um, but yeah, at the start... It's it's not even about the opportunity yet. It's about laying the foundation so you can take the opportunity, and it takes and it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, hundred percent. Well, I got a couple of good examples at the moment around this because at the moment I'm writing to a few clients to say, hey, we can't look after you going forward after the first of April mm. because we are reconfirming what an ideal client is for Next Advisory, and so some of the clients that we have. They're not going to be... That's not going to be sent to me, is it? Well, <laughs> man, this is an awkward way to tell you, mate. Okay. <laughs> Live on here. Yeah. But they, there's nothing wrong. They're great people. They pay their bill. They're a perfect client to many accounting firms. And, and I'm trying to say in the email, please understand that this has nothing to do with you or your business. It's just this is the journey we're going on. And Phil and I are having conversations with and going with new prospects coming in. Would we take that client in five years' time? Probably not. Okay, that's probably not an ideal client because mm-hmm. we know we've got another five years on this roadmap. So mm-hmm. we're like, why are we building? Because what we've done is the first five years, right? And so a number of, the, well, some of the clients that we have 
are no longer ideal clients, but we still have to do their accounts, yeah. um, keep all the records and stuff. And, and Phil was having a conversation the other day, and I'm thinking, would a partner of a big four accounting firm, would they be having that conversation? Mm. Probably not. It's probably not like that is not where we can add our most value. So we're trying to clear out a little bit, or not like clear out sounds kind of rough, but we're trying to move people on to where they could be better serviced and they've got a better fit compared to where we know we can then free up some time to then uh, add more value to businesses we know that we can truly add value, especially through this tough time. However, we then have this nagging like, oh, but the economy's contracting, people aren't going to be moving accountants, that's, that's, they pay the bill every month, why would you get rid of a client when that's guaranteed money, you're literally like decreasing, deliberately decreasing your turnover, and you've got to switch that part of the brain off and go, yep, but we've got to slow down to speed up on the other side of this. Yeah. And then the same thing with not taking on a number of prospects that are getting in touch with us. Just like, no, that's not an ideal. You guys client. have been hammered, eh? Yeah. And some of them are going, "Are you sorry? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> I, I thought this. I thought this is what you do. Like, please explain." And that they're almost trying to like convince us to take us on, to take them on. And we're saying, like, just can't. Sometimes it's just gut. Mm. Um, but. I said to Phil the other day, well, Phil said to me, imagine if we said yes to everything. I said, well, I probably would have jumped out that, that window. But, you know, I'd be gone. But because we're trying to build a business that we really want to be in. And we're at the point where we understand that some of the things we would have used to say yes to were mm. great. But if we keep doing that, we're just going to get further down the path and, and then be like, well, fuck, we're just tied to our phones, our laptops and meetings, you know, yeah. nine to five. And now we've built the jobs that we resented mm. because it's not the work we want to be doing. So we have to be very clear on the work we want to do. But again, that requires us to go, well, our, our turnover could drop in this, yeah. in this month. And this it's is like, a great analogy for it, right? Because yeah. it's like you're, you're carefully acquiring where you want your revenue to come from, which is slow and methodical. But then later on in five years from now, you... You know, you could speed this up and grow your revenue by double because the amount of people that are contacting you just like, right, let's roll. Yep. Have a huge year and, and what would be considered a probably a hard year. Yeah. But then in five years, like you'll probably be making the same or maybe more if you do it the slow and methodical way, but then also be enjoying it a lot more. Everything will be moving moving smoother and faster mm. because you probably pick up people that are more capable of making a decision and being on the same sort of wavelength in terms of how you think and like you're obviously putting thought into that and that's a, like exactly the same yeah it's and exactly like me trying to get brokers i've probably had meetings with man i must have had meetings with 20 people in the last two and a half weeks yeah and i've got three on the shortlist you know wow so but you have to i once heard a dude who searched <coughs> for a single type of person for an entire year interviewed hundreds of people to find this one person they dedicated their entire year their goal was to hire this one person that they knew they needed in their business this wow. type of person and it took them an entire year mm. and they were like oh that's the project I've been working on that's all they focused on yeah yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's, holy it's shit it's like the saying of like hire slowly fire quickly right yeah. Like it's, yeah yeah it's an interesting one and I think but it's it's through everything right from like basic personal finances um, and like the other one that we were just bringing up before we jumped on is like, don't go and invest your 10 grand savings into the share market when you haven't paid off your five grand credit card. Yeah. Like get debt free. Yeah. 
Oh just, no, but it's oh, I paid every. Who cares? Just get rid of it. Yeah, like just remove that. You're you need to go to get up to the next level. You're not going to be able to live chasing down a five grand credit card balance. You know, like you have to get rid of that and remove that and move on, and then move on to the stage two. Like sort yeah. the little basics out first. Yes, slower at the start, mm. <laughs> but it speeds up. And I'm really bad at this because my skill set is to do things really quickly. Mm. So one of my top strengths is an activator. So I just get shit. I get the fucking snowball mm. rolling real quick. I've noticed, and it sometimes comes off as naive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it works against me. So as an example, perfect example, yesterday I sit here, I record five reels, and I'm like, Luke, it is a Saturday 11 a.m. You do not punch content on a Saturday. 11 a.m. This is the dumbest time. You'll waste one of these reels. And the activator's like, fuck, man, you got five of them. Get one out. And I'm like, <laughs> do it Sunday night or do it Monday night? Yeah. Wait. I'm like, now nah, punch one now. Yeah. So then I roll out a reel. And I'm like, this is the best one. I'll roll this one. And then an hour later, I'm like, fuck, that was so stupid. I know that that's a waste because – yeah. People aren't on Instagram at, nah. on a midday on Especially a Saturday. Especially for the first day of summer, which yesterday was. Yeah, <laughs> what a dickhead. You know? And like, I know these things, and I've been in this game for a long time, and I understand the shit. So I'm like, I should know better. But the activator in me is like, go faster. Go, just go, do go. It. Just do it. Just do it, man. Yeah. Like, that's what you're good at. <laughs> and, and so I have to try and control myself and hold myself back. And that's where it's really important to try and understand yourself as well. And the other analogy I have, which ties into this, is that when I stopped gymming on my own and going with mates and just lifting weights and be like, right, the more I lift, the better, and actually spent time with a PT, I thought they would just show me some better things that I could be doing for my body. He was like, oh, Jesus, mate, Like, we need to start you back at the start. You've got to do some stretching, and that's probably going to take a year. And I'm like, are you fucking serious, mate? Like, I want to bench 120. What do you mean? Like, I'm, Where's my 20% gains? And... He's like, sorry, mate, like the way you lift, you're just an absolute, I can work with you, but it's going to take a long time and yeah. you've got to slow down to speed up. And it's been ages. And even now I go to the gym this week with him and he's like, right, we're doing deadlifts. And he's like, do a deadlift for me. He's like, what the fuck is that? That is not a deadlift. He's like, right, we're stripping all the weight off. You're back to the bar. And he's yelling at me in front of people in the gym. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's, he, he's like, it's not heavy. And I'm like, I know it's not heavy. He's like, but he's fucking with me because yeah, yeah, he's trying yeah. to, like, he knows me well <laughs> enough now that he knows how he can play with Force me. Force you back to the basic principles to get right before you build the foundation. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and part of me's like, I'm glad that I've matured to a point where I can listen to that. And I, every time I just step into, okay, I'm the student here. Mm. And then sometimes in between sets, he'll ask me something. I become the teacher and I, we start talking about finance or something that he's seen that I'm talking about. But in those moments, I'm like, the ego is gone. And I feel myself getting a bit angry. I'm like, fuck this dude, man. This is 40 kilos. And he's telling me it's not heavy. And I'm like, no shit. Uh, and he's like, so what? It's not heavy. So why aren't you doing it right? And I'm like, fuck you. You know, but he's trying to test me and he's trying to like bring me back. And you start to learn that that's really, really good for you. Mm. And you're then paying to have someone do that to you too. Whereas the, another version of Luke would just be like, you know what? My body doesn't feel that bad actually. I'm just going to rack like 100 kegs on this thing and just lift it however the fuck I want <laughs> yeah. to. You know, get, get out of here. I can throw 40 across the room. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, and, and the other thing is, is that the world and society is literally set up for you not to do this. 
Yeah. The afterpays and the credit cards and the access to debt and personal loans and payday loans and all of the shit. But the guy next to me is doing 90 kegs and his form's not that good. And he's probably thinking, look at this dickhead, he can only do 40 kegs yeah. and, and he's not even doing it right. But when I sit down, the PT's like, oh, mate, tell me what he's doing wrong. And I'm like, I feel bad. I'm now judging this dude. And he's like, no, but I want you to learn. He's like, have a look. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. But if you compare yourself to other people. Exactly, that's it, yeah. yeah then you're going to want to speed up. Exactly. And it was interesting. I um, I had a day off yesterday, mate, and I... Jesus, sorry, but... <coughs> <laughs> you had a day off. Yeah. Are you all good? I did a couple of hours in the morning. Okay. But um, I went and flew my radio control airplane, and then I drove up to my parents' batch where they are at the moment and I went fishing in the evening with my old man and we were just talking about like the economy and I said, oh. So you had such a big day off, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Did two hours in the morning, did four hours with my old man at night talking about the economy. (laughs) No, but we were on the boat fishing while we were talking. Okay, good man. And um, I was saying, oh, it's interesting, like inflation-adjusted average house prices in Auckland are below March 2020 now. So in in real, in number terms, they're not quite, but inflation-adjusted they are. So basically anyone who bought a house in the last, well, since March 2020 is now in real-term negative equity. You, sorry, just can we just pause there? Because a lot of people are going to be like, what the hell does that mean? So you said inflation-adjusted real-term house prices. <laughs> is, that, is that the <laughs> terminology? Okay. Basically, like, if you take a million bucks and then adjust it for inflation, it's now, it's purchasing power. I don't know the exact number. I call it 5%, then 7%. It's going to be about, yeah. It's going to purchase you about 990 worth or whatever, right? Got you. So take that and then the actual fall of house prices, which in Auckland I think was like 20 something something yeah. percent or whatever. Um, there was a graph on the, I think it was the RBNZ or the interest.co.nz website, but basically what they're saying is an actual purchasing power dollars, they're worth less now than they were in March 2020 on average in Auckland. Mm. So if you bought a house at any time through what I call like the COVID cheap money era, it's now negative equity. Really? You've yeah. gone backwards, yeah. Because we were talking it. like, you know, it's not, doesn't feel that bad yet, you know? Yeah. But then I'm like looking at that and I'm like, oh, no, nah, like it's the last two years have vanished. Like it's quite bad mm. already. Like that's the wealth effect kicking in. And um, he was like, yeah, I knew something was wrong. And like he's, he's an old dog. Eh? He's been around a long time. And he taught me really hard to stay away from debt if you want. Uh, if like if you can, if I can, yeah. Um, and you've seen how I roll. Like when I bought those cars, I like can't be fucking getting finance, and I just pay the cash. Like yeah, even in a business, I'm sort of wired that way. And he said, yeah, I knew something was up because I've never seen so many brand new Ford Rangers, Teslas, boats, and it's just not right. Like, and he's sort of semi out of the game now. Mm. You know, like he's got property, mate. He's fine. <laughs> 40%, 40 years, 40% gains. Yeah. So, but yeah, he, he noticed it and he said, when it, when you, ever you see that? And he said, I've never seen so many brand new, brand, so much brand new shit in my life. Yeah. He's like, when you see that, that's all debt. Yep. I've been around too long. I've seen it all before and it all falls over. Yeah. And then, and the crunch comes and, you know, and that's us in society taking advantage of the access to credit to try and speed up the false way and not doing it like methodically methodically in the right way in the correct way and that's when the tide and then if the tide goes out then you end up swimming naked right because you you have to sell your shit eventually you have debt that's higher than the value of your assets whether it's cars boats houses you know all this shit interesting man because last week I had a conversation with a client and he's done 
quite well through this last period. And he's got work through to July, and he's got a plan for the back end. And so, but we've been doing work for probably six months to get him ready in his space for what are you going to do? We've been paying down debt. We've been stacking cash aside. He's basically got enough cash that he could do no work for the rest of the year, and he could retain all the staff. Like he's he's in a real like. Real good Gangster. spot. And we're probably going to talk about a balance sheet recession at yeah, some stage. But he said, oh, one of the things I've still got to do is probably later this year I'll sell that truck. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do with the truck? Are you just going to clear down debt? He's like, no, nah, I need to get two trailers. And so that'll basically, I'll swap them for two. And he's like, but I don't really need to do that until like later in the year. And I said, can I give you a suggestion? He said, what's that? I said, do you reckon you could sell it tomorrow? He's like, yeah, I reckon I could sell it tomorrow. I'm like, go and fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Because in six months' time, yeah, that hundred grand truck's going to be seventy. Bingo. Yeah, and, and there's going to be trailer a, gone. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a heap of those trucks yeah. on the market. Yeah, and I said, go and collect the cash now. Yeah, while well, there is still a demand for it, because yeah, the best thing I saw was probably in early to middle of last year in the states, and this guy was talking to real estate agents, and he basically said, you need to talk to your vendors if they want nine hundred, and you're bringing them eight hundred. You need to convince them that if you wait another year, it's going to be six hundred. Yeah, then they'll sell. Yeah, yeah so you're not now. you're not losing a hundred. You're you're making that difference mm. on the what it's going to be worth in that time. Think of it that way, and you might be able to cross yeah. over the line to saying yes easier. And I think we're in a bit of that time, but it all comes down to that. At those, we all got sucked into the cheap credit. Yep. Um, and you know these products like Afterpay and. Uh, basically do that on a micro scale um, but everyone did it right and it's not going to speed you up it's actually going to slow you down so it's the opposite way around which is a pain in the ass <laughs> I saw a really cool video that I almost sent you this morning mate and then I dug into my nine hour day and <laughs> I'll tell you about it instead and it's a guy called Mark Boris or Boris I think mm. I've told you about him before I think I might have sent you a video I consume a bit of his content nice yeah he set up wizard home loans in Australia yep. and they were sponsoring the Rabbitohs, oh sorry, the Roosters maybe, and I think he might even be on the board now, but he had this grunty reel on TikTok or uh, Instagram or somewhere, and it's a confession that he had to sell his property. Mm. But he's the big dog in this space, and he's very well known, and he's like, I've seen all this before, I've been through this stuff, and in this year, whatever year it was, it might have been 2000 or 1990 or something, he's like, I had a wife and four kids, and and you're sort of thinking that he's you know, he's he's the man, right? So he's going to be like, and this is what I did to get through. And he's like, and I had to sell the home. Mm. And he said, there's going to be some of you that are teetering on the edge. Just do it. Just sell it. I think so. a, I think I saw a clip along similar lines, and he was basically advising that try and leave your emotion mm. to the side. So your like, family will. Is, yeah, yeah. This is a this is get rid of the emotion time. Treat it as a transaction or it's an asset. You can do it again later. Like yeah. prevent yourself from going into that yeah. you and know, hardship option. And it's emotional because you're like if you saved up and paid down some mortgage and then you're watching it vanish in, in value terms. But it's like, okay, think about it in a year. You know, is yeah. that worse? You know, or even zoom out 10 years. Like That's kind of what he, I think he was getting at is, you know, the longer you hold on when you know that that's going to be the outcome, yeah. the harder it's going to be. You know, mm. it's it's sort of that cut your losses sort of thing and just yeah. accept them and, and get after it. But yeah, he's there's now a Sky News article about this. I had to sell my ha- house. There's uh, news.com.au. Finance guru's groom warning to homeowners. Entertainment Mark Boris's warning to homeowners struggling with their mortgage. So this would have been a big, big play for him to actually go out there and say, hey, look, you know, 
I, I had to. But he's had to slow down to speed up. And, mm. you know, he's he's made it all back and he's rebuilt and he's... In a, a business. Gr- yeah. He's a, <laughs> he's a guru in, in the industry. And I think there's going to be some people that are not willing to, to accept their losses and, and create... And it might even be in a share that they know, well, why was I fucking around in that? I, fuck, I understand it, man. Like, I don't even like the idea of thinking about my income could be lower next year because mm. I've only ever grown. And I'm like, it fucking grinds me, eh? You're yeah. like, I oh, know. Can't I was... believe you took a day off then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a chat about this yeah. off here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, and that's the same for, you know, if you bought something for a million and then you'd have to sell it for 900 or whatever. Yeah. It's a horrible fucking feeling, eh? However, and as much as I don't like comparing myself or ourselves to others mm. you know say you your uh, income dropped by 10 percent in a time where the average decline in income was 30 percent yeah m- you would mean. still be yeah yeah you've got yourself further ahead but and you'd be like oh man my income was less this year this sucks but yeah. it's, you know you've got to then be relative to what what's happening around you right but yeah i think our brains psychologically they will get hurt by a loss more they'll see it more than they will by a gain so what that means is you could have a year after year after year of making a bit more coin, mm. but then you'll have a loss that next year and you'll be real pissed off by it. Yeah. But you probably won't go and compare it back to from three years ago where you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's and that's the <laughs> that's same thing. That's human nature, right? Yeah, we're always you, looking for better and better. Yeah, when you log into your sharesies, for instance, your brain will gravitate towards like, oh, that thing's down 20%. Yeah. But then you'll have something <laughs> else that's randomly up 30, and you're like, oh, okay, that's up 30. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, but oh, fuck this stock. Like, oh, do you have that stock? Do you own that? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and we'll actually gravitate more towards the, the negative rather than what we're making. And I think that's also what makes it really hard to sell mm. when you are making a profit because you think, Oh well, this will probably just carry on. But yeah, then, well, you, as, you as soon, yeah, as soon as it starts to go back down, <laughs> you're like, "Oh man, this yeah. is bullshit." Yeah, yeah. But you know, it might go up, say, a hundred and let's say, one hundred and twenty percent. But then it goes down ten percent. You're like, "Oh shit, I should have sold it. I've lost ten percent, ten percent of that hundred and twenty. But then three weeks ago, you were looking at it, being like, "Wow, I'm up a hundred percent, man. This is crazy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at one hundred and ten percent the next week, but you're not comparing it back to then. You're just thinking, "Ah, oh, fuck," because we're always chasing the best possible return because yeah, that's how it's we're wired. It's a lot of the stuff, whether it's like um, sorting out your your credit card bill, just anything, slowing down to speed up. A lot of the stuff comes back to like some basic patience. And being aware that like good things will come in the future if you keep doing the right thing, yeah. Because you know, like Warren Buffett didn't get rich from, and if we're talking about shares and stuff, he didn't get rich from you know like trading and stuff like that. He just bought quality businesses that when they went down, he bought more of. <laughs> yeah, and he got rich through time, hundred percent, because. It's patience, What's man. he, 90-something? <clears throat> yeah. So imagine if you, wherever you are listening to this, whatever your age is, imagine if you invested mm. every single year right through to 90-whatever he is, say it's 95. Yeah. Because most people in, in, will just naturally go, oh, 65. That's kind of our window, right, of like, oh, that's the retirement age. So that's the, what we think through to. The graph of Warren Buffett's personal wealth is astonishing. Yeah. Because it's like at 40, I think it was at like mid-30s he had a few million. And then mid forties, it was like thirty five million. Then by the time it was six, he was sixty billions, mm. and now it's you know one of the richest in the world. 
And it's crazy, eh, that that compounding effect kicks in over time. Especially when you think, okay, if you gave up investing at 65 because you believe that that's the year to give up vesting, investing because you can, quote, retire. Yeah. Well, he's still gone on for another three decades. Yeah. 30 he, years. He turned like 5 billion into 100 billion or whatever, so. Yeah. That, that's also <laughs> the value of time, right? Yeah. And yeah, again, while we have to, same thing with KiwiSaver and stuff, or putting money aside, just, man, the sucks, slowly doing it, mm. but... One day, Jesus, I'm going to be able to take some cash out of that Kiwi Saver and go for a hot lap around uh, Pukekohe, <laughs> Pukekohe, with uh, uh, you know, paying for it in cash and not worrying about it because I've slowed down years and years ago to be able to speed up later on, on. the racetrack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A good reminder for all of us, mate. I like that. The reason you wanted to do this podcast too is because you went back and listened to the Mindset podcast, didn't you? Yeah. And, and you were frustrated about not really drilling into this yeah, a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's one more example before we go, eh? Got you. Because I saw a clip online and I went to Jordan Peterson live. Oh, he's a scumbag, mate. I can't believe it. He's yeah, a narcissist yeah. And he's controversial. Killing men. They whatever just making is. them toxic. Um, but of I saw a, a straight clip online of someone asking him to rig to his face. And I, I could sort of tell it was like a reel. So it was like a t- short minute thing or something. But I could sort of tell by his face that he had probably been pushed in the interview. And the guy just asked him, how much money are you making? And he was basically straight up in the things he said. Now, I don't think he disclosed all of it, but he said uh, on Patreon, he makes, this is all US dollars, $80,000 per month. He's got his book sales, which he makes a $1.50 royalty per book and sells 20,000 books per week, so one hundred and thirty grand a month. His tour, on average... Um, is between 30 to 50k per night, which is quite different. Like I said, like in New Zealand, he sold about $2 million worth of tickets, so I guess he does little ones of 1,000 and stuff like that. This would be US dollars as well, right? US, yeah. yeah. So that's 85 grand a month on average. Um, and then he's got, he said he's got another business, which he didn't say what it was, that he makes $200,000 per month. So all in all, it's basically 500,000 US dollars per month, which is $6 million per year. And I thought, fuck, that's interesting because he he gets a lot of shit. Um, They're even trying to take his license off him at the moment in Canada, but Canada looks like a fucking mess, to be honest. Um, But I thought, man, like, he was not making a smooth $6 million a year probably three, four years ago. Um, And even if he was making a million, probably five years before that, you know, it was nowhere near that. And at some point, he was just a professor, probably making, I don't know, before he went private, he was probably making 150K Canadian dollars a year. Yeah. And he decided to make a change, decided to be online and use the tools of the internet and the services like YouTube and grow a brand. And I don't know if he thought he could easily make 6 million US dollars a year. Doubt it. But... He's chewing through it now, um, but he just put in the time. And that guy's had, I think he's had like a, a drug addiction, like as in mental health pills they gave him or something, and he got addicted to them and then got crook, and then he's had the shit kicked out of him. Um, I don't know heaps of detail about him, but basically I feel like I've seen him online for 
over five years easily. Yeah, I, my brain went to the same. It was probably like yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think I think his daughter started uploading his lectures onto YouTube, and then they become quite popular. And then it's like, oh, there's something here. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen like a YouTube title that said 2015 or something. Oh yeah. So I don't I don't know the exact date. So that's a fuck load of time. Yeah, it is. Just committing to putting out content, which is mm. effectively what he's doing. Yep. He's putting out content based on his skill and his knowledge. Yeah. That's all he's doing. And it's turned into this, right? So, and, like, and just I just want to interject here where there'll be some people who are like, I don't like him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. What you need to understand is that it's not about you. No, I don't care about that part. But people want his information. If, if people didn't want his information, his videos wouldn't be popular. Mm. Um, he wouldn't make $6 million a year plus whatever else he's making. So remember, when you don't like someone, try and understand that it's not really about you. Try and understand, well, someone does. Yeah, so what's the lesson that? in there? Yeah, why yeah. is that then? So you think about it and be like, hmm, that's interesting. He's been doing such and such for this long and it's it, got an audience and now he charges for it. I mean, I had to do this when the kids were um, bunking school and they were doing protests up Queen Street and stuff and their fancy gears that are smashing up the environment because one of the worst uh, impacts on the environment is uh, fashion. But anyway, mm. I'm like, whoa, how many kids are taking the day off school to protest and they think that they're going to change the world and all this sort of stuff but I'm like well they wouldn't be there if they didn't like if they didn't have that information to believe they were doing the right thing mm. so I can't just dismiss that and be like oh that didn't happen I'm, I'm thinking I wonder what's going on for them or what are they thinking and what are they seeing and what are they talking about and when you become more curious and inquisitive about this stuff your world becomes way more complicated, I reckon, because you're like, oh, holy shit, I didn't even think from that angle. You're just mm. in your box. But it, I think nothing good can come from looking at someone like Jordan Peterson and be like, oh, I don't like him for, here's my 16 reasons. Mm. And it's like, but millions and millions and millions of people clearly do. So why is this about you? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a great example. Right? I mean, if we renamed this person to something else and then ran through it, you'd want to know, why they've done it as well. It's well, not not just about if you don't like the person or the content. I'm just saying, like, this is a... He's probably gone through a process of being very patient, slowly building it, gaining traction, and then, you know, the speed the speed up part is now he can basically call his price yep. on anything. You know, like, if I called up Jordan Peterson, I was like, Jordan, I want you to come and work with me for a week to work on my business performance... I'd probably have to pay him a million bucks. Yeah. You know, like that's fucking gnarly. <laughs> that's some quick money. Yeah. You know, but that's what he's built, but he did it very slowly over time. Yeah. So that's and all I'm saying. Just recognize that. The other a good example for you, mate, I've just Googled here because I thought, oh, one of the highest paid execs in New Zealand would be the Fonterra CEO. Now, there's an article that's saying that Miles, so it's Miles Hurrell, uh, compensation is US $2.7 million. That's US. Uh, is above average for companies of similar size in New Zealand in the market, which is around $1.8 million. There's not many Fonterras anyway, so I don't know how they're pulling this average, but this is an American article. But then, if I so all I Googled was Fonterra CEO pay. Now, 2021, Fonterra CEO paid double after lean COVID salary 2020 year. So his he was paid $4.2 million in the 2021 financial year, double what he took home in 2020 when COVID was a thing. Uh, another article, Fonterra executives pay rises as they destroy wealth. Chief Executive Miles Hurrell's take-home pay more than doubled from just $2 million to nearly 4.3. This includes a $2.2 million pay for performance. And uh, then it's, okay, it's time for Fonterra in 2021 to stop paying executives such high salaries. Fonterra is over 80, 
employees pay more than $500,000 a year, but it's but are so many exorbitant salaries warranted for the New Zealand farming sector. <laughs> the next article, 2017. So you're thinking, well, fuck, four million bucks. Like that's pretty. That's pretty out the gate, right? And it doesn't sound like whatever this dude does, whether he takes two million, he takes four million. There's going to be an article about how he's an asshole. Too, too much, much. man. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like, do you need that? Come on, miles, man. That's miles too much. Okay, let's go back to 2017. Fonterra bosses 8.3 million dollar salary thrust CEO pay in the spotlight. Whoa. Huge executive salaries are back in the spotlight after Fonterra revealed its boss, T.O. Spearing's $8.3 million pay package. People will never be happy. No. All, all that I hear in my, what goes on in my brain when you're reading that out is like, if you want to be rich and earn lots of money and people find out about it, just know that that's coming too and then you just yeah. don't give a fuck. I think also if you listen to that and you get triggered by what people make, it's a good sign that you're broke yourself. That's it. Because yeah. it shouldn't trigger you. No. Nah. What yeah. it should get you to do is be like, hmm, how do I become the CEO of Fonterra? Because that sounds like a fucking gangster paycheck. And look, it's <laughs> 2021, and there's been a there's been a change of CEO. So what people always forget is, yeah, but he might be suck, he might suck at that, and then he can't get a job. Or now he's got to go back to a million dollar salary. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Have you ever thought about that? Would you ever go from earning 80 grand a year? To only earning ten because you re- like everyone found out you actually sucked at your role. Imagine, <laughs> yeah, oh, imagine. that's unfair, <laughs> bullshit. Why should I have to do? Oh, that's not the same though when you're making eight million to ten, like to one million. But you know, lifestyle creep would kick yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. If you went to eight million to one, I'd be, I bet you that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to slow down to speed up again. You'd be <laughs> yeah, selling shit, some yeah. shit off. Yeah. Oh, a very quick example before we go to mate. Yesterday in the horse racing space, Brendan and Joe Lindsay. Uh, they're sold to Steamer. They might be sitting on a billion bucks worth of assets and stuff, maybe, okay? Uh, it might not be that high. But anyway, they won the Avondale Cup. Their prize money stake, $68,000. The first thing they did is say, we're going to donate our $68,000 to the flood relief down there in the Hawke's Bay. And, of course, you get the, oh, well, it's nothing to them. But, so they should. Like, what's... And you're like, fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't even know you how to can't answer win. this. Like, you, yeah. but it's a good. It's another good reminder that no matter what you do in your life, how like what you're doing, yeah. you'll never do enough for for fucking Harry, who decides that actually you should have done this. You know, yeah. Why did Why didn't he donate his whole billion? You know, what Why does he need that much? You know, what, <laughs> you know, like it's just you cannot win with this stuff. But usually, the feedback is always going to come from the people that are doing fuck all themselves. Yeah, hundred percent. So grind on, right? Back to you, Kanye and Twister. And Jamie Fox. Try to find out what she feeling. Like how she feel. You know, you know, you know what she told me. Are you she, she told. T- check it out. This she told me you're going to be getting your finger and putting a five star review in for this podcast. <laughs>